It's not that big a deal. I get it's only 42 likes and like a few retweets. Like No, it's a big deal. You still no, you still do a majority of the work on our social media presence. It's not a big deal. Like I just And I I really I shouldn't. Was, I was arbitrarily on Twitter. I don't even remember why I logged into our Twitter account. I think it was because Anchor gave me a notification that we're now available on Apple Podcasts or whatever that app was, so I had intended to log on to just tweet out like, "Hey, here's a link for that," and I just arbitrarily saw something uh, that Paul Sun Hyung Lee tweeted, and I retweeted it, and said like, "Hey, this guy's great. Like, he better be in, you know, Range of the New Republic." And like, within you know half an hour, like forty people had liked it and retweeted it and like it's not a big deal. Like you are still very much the main social media guru of this podcast. Like it's definitely it's still balls in your core. Like it was just like and like no big deal that like when we got liked by Mark Hamill and when we got liked by Ryan Johnson, that was also me. Like you've also done stuff that has been liked and retweeted by people. It's not a big deal. Like so let's it's fine. So um you've you've been having a good weekend. Not particularly. Oh really? I mean <laughs> wasn't that like Saturday? It was last night, yeah. Oh my Josh, you need to take more enjoyment in your life because the Mandalorian <laughs> happened Friday and we're gonna talk oh, about geez. it. Um mm-hmm. I'm through the moon with that. Um, and all of my negative comments are just the fact that it's over. But then this happens, um, where one of the probably top five characters of the season, I would say (laughs) happens to hold on. First off, let's just right off the bat spoilers for just season two finale Mandalorian. If you haven't watched it yet, just stop. So yes, top five characters of the season. Again, spoilers. Yeah. Top five characters of the season. Yeah, I mean, probably top, this guy for sure. He, I mean, granted, I mean, like, number one with the bullet, Trapper Wolf. Um, for me, it's Ahsoka, but that's just you know, number one with uh, a bullet, Trapper Wolf. Number two, Ahsoka. Okay, yeah, you know what? We'll get into this a little bit more because I feel really bad. I don't know the person that we're talking about, Star mm. Wars character, so I don't want to. And I have it. I have it written. I have my notebook that I keep all my dumb notes in, and I have it written down here somewhere. But yeah, I can't find it off of it. Carson Teva, Captain Carson Teva. Um, Isn't Teva a name in some other part of Star Wars? Carson Teva. It could be. Okay. Um, but I, I got to tell you, and it, it just, it felt so good because, like, I, you know, we're again, we're going through Anchor now as our podcast host, and they have a really fun, intuitive app that I can open, and it will show us like the amount of plays our most recent episode has and stuff like that, and. It's really cool because, like, before I did that tweet and it got 42 likes, we were at 22 plays for our most recent episode. And after I got 42 likes on that tweet that I made, we are at 22 plays so far for our most recent episode. So there was no difference? Uh, what are you talking about? So that was pretty tight. That was pretty tight. Tight, 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 tight. Yeah. I just, I mean, that's definitely 
it's the the cool thing about you know this actor before he blows up um, mm-hmm. for being in Rangers of the New Republic. You heard it here first. Is, I do. I mean, I do. I, you know, that wasn't a joke. I do genuinely like he's uh, again. So the actor we're talking about is Paul Sun Hyung Lee. He was along with Dave Filoni. He played one of the X Wing pilots in the second episode of this season, who shows up and helps Mando on that ice planet. And then he shows up again in, what, episode four? When he comes around and kind of sort of tries to recruit... Um, Not sort of. Well, Not, I guess successfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, I don't know. He just... there's It's the same, it's the same with the, um, the officer on Gideon's ship. There's just certain actors just show up in seemingly arbitrary roles and just something about them is captivating where it's like, Oh, I want to see more of this face or more of this character or more of this performance. I don't know. So I, yeah, I, I do genuinely really hope that that uh, character and that actor shows up more. Well, and, and what I'm trying to say is for, for that character, for that actor, he's at a point where, and there's a bunch of people that are like this. Um, Sasha Banks is another one who plays, um, um, not Cora. Um, she Bocatan's friend. Yeah, Bocatan. Bocat- she's she's credited as as something else. That's that's her it's, real I name. Guess it's Sasha, Sasha Banks is her me- is wrestler name. Yeah, that's her that's her wrestling yeah. name. Because I I mess yeah. I message a friend of mine who's really into wrestling. You know, hey, do you know this person? And they were like, I've mm-hmm. never heard of that name before. And then I said, Oh, Sasha Banks. And they're like, I love Sasha Banks so much. Oh wow. Um, but like, they're just, you know, it's really cool. You see these, you see these people who, you know, um, Johnny F, um, for all that we bag on him, he brings in people from different walks of life, different genres. He brought in Bill Burr as a joke, which, you know, was awful, (laughs) awful to start off with, but you know, um, Rick from like was able to turn that around and make us actually care for him last Mm -hmm. week. And, um, you know, just bringing in Oscar Reeves is her character's name, um, bringing in characters. She's, you know, a fan favorite. People really, really love her for sure. So, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, cause last week we were talking about, uh, last week's episode and I had mentioned, um, how cool it was to see Fennec and Cara Dune working together uh-huh. because I, you know, we had talked about sort of from a cosplay perspective and from a, you know, female representation perspective within Star Wars. It was very cool to see um, those two characters together and just like how far representation within Star Wars has come. Obviously, still has a ways to go, but that it's it's moving in the right direction. And I had talked about it last week. And then this week, they just blew that out of the water with this female freaking commando squad coming in, beating people to death with the blunt end of an assault rifle. And, oh, man, I mean, what a world. They were what just, a world. you know, brutal savages. That's what they were. <laughs> to quote Moff Gideon. Yeah. The, the first time I really had thought about this concept um, or this line of thought, I guess, was with Avengers Endgame, which not to spoil anything, I don't think this is a spoiler. If you've seen Avengers Endgame, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you won't. But there's a shot in Avengers Endgame that is very much kind of Marvel being like, look at us, look at all the women we have. Even though at that point in the Marvel franchise and to to this day in the Marvel franchise, because Black Widow has been delayed, they've only had one film with a female headliner. Right. But it very much... 
it very much felt choreographed. And so I, the, the friend that I had gone to see it with was kind of hemming and hawing at that shot. Um, and I definitely, I understood where they came from because I, I appreciate the sentiment, but it felt kind of like Marvel patting itself on the back for work it hadn't actually done. Mm-hmm. Like on the one hand, yes, you do have all these incredible female characters, but on the other hand, like all of them are supporting characters. You haven't shown the spotlight on any but one. Um, but I, in, in talking to that friend of mine after watching that show, it was very much like, yeah, you know, when you think about like women going to comic book conventions and stuff and like women at a Star Wars convention, like what kind of characters could they cosplay as in 10 years ago? You know, it'd be, well, you're going to be slave Leia or you're going to be regular Leia or whatever. Uh, but so, so it was, it was exciting in, in Endgame to just see like, if nothing else, whether they are the lead character or not, there's certainly a diversity of female characters here that wasn't necessarily prevalent in genre fiction and in genre filmmaking a year ago. And well, also but, it's, mm-hmm. it's supernatural too. Not supernatural. I mean, it's, it's a natural occurrence that like, mm-hmm. it didn't feel forced at any point. Like, you know, there was a, exactly, there was, though. there was That's a male in, in the night owls in episode, what, three, four, but right. you could easily he believe he died, right? Like, yep. that's not super hard to believe. Um, he was right. kind of a dork. And that's, <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm getting at is, is as I, I still appreciated the end game shot, despite it sort of feeling like it was giving its Marvel, giving itself kudos. It didn't necessarily deserve, but in, in this episode of the Mandalorian, it never felt like it never felt like they were patting themselves on the back. It never felt like, look at us, female representation. Like it, it very organically came about. It was, I, I don't know. It was, I thought it was very well done. It was very cool. And it, you know, whereas with the shot in Endgame, it was like, let us draw your attention to this. In this episode of Mandalorian, it was sort of like as it was occurring, it slowly dawned on me like, oh, hey, wait a minute. This is like an all-female squad of total badasses. And, yeah, I don't know. That was was very well done. Very well done. Yeah, I mean, um, and each decision of not including a male in that, you know, raid made sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. Boba couldn't, you know, spoilers all right i i can't say this enough on pete this is josh um we were talking about everything about this about the mandalorian okay so like and we'll and we'll get to maybe why boba wasn't there because i feel like maybe and maybe they were like oh we can't have boba for what we're about to do well i mean that's what i think the show writers is like you know yeah. boba would recognize luke and they would be like, exactly, would be like, and not be happy about it. No, not so much. And then, yeah. you know, they would have to then rely on their like s- stupid rule of like, hey, it's the child, blah blah blah. You know, right? Oh, right. I'm coming after you as soon as the child has been trained and on his own. So see you in forty mm-hmm. years. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just you know, just that was the way of writing that out. Then obviously, Din, you know, had to go get a um, little Yanni. Um, so. It just made, you know, a very natural progression for sure. Yeah. Now, let's talk about um, something that... We have that, no cold open, by the way. We're going right in. 
No, yeah. Let's let's talk about the fact that I've seen this three times. I think you've seen it what? Oh wow! Twice now. Twice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the first. I, I I genuinely suspect I'm going to rewatch this entire season over this next coming week or so, which is something that didn't happen with season one. Like I I you know I, I think I rewatched every episode of season one twice before because to take like notes for the pod and stuff mm-hmm. but i didn't rewatch all of season one until right before season two came out but with season two there's just so many highs that i want to relive that i feel like i'm pretty immediately going to go dive back in i mean i've seen the osoka episode season. like four times now i i think i think in the near future we just found out that the Mandalorian Disney Plus, like making of Mandalorian season two, isn't going to be a whole season. It's going to be one episode. It's going to be one hour long featurette. So what we thought was going to be eight weeks of content is only going to be one week of content. Mm-hmm. I think we. I think it would be. I, I don't know. I think it could be interesting to do a like let's rank the episodes of the Mandalorian because it's only sixteen episodes at this point. And I would be curious. I would be. I'd be curious what you thought. I would genuinely, genuinely be curious what my ranking versus your ranking is. I feel like we probably both have the same number one. No spoilers. Um, but we have the same number sixteen. I don't know about the same number one, I but think we would. I think we would. Well, we would. Well, all right. Let's let's push that off. Yeah, here's, yeah. here's what I want to talk about. The, okay, save it for the pod, so, Pete. Save um, it for the pod. You saw it twice. I've seen it three times. Um, I saw yeah, I, I, wa- I watched yeah. this in the morning um, and I was and I watched it shortly thereafter. You know? um, and the first time it didn't hit me as much. Uh, the second time and the third time I, I cried um, wow. and I at which uh, at which point um, at the very end, the, the Luke the, the Luke sequence. And then mm-hmm. um, I did that again. And then I continued in the little Yanni din, you know, farewell, which was weird because the first time I watched it, I thought they really poorly did the goodbye. Like, I was like, why? Like this, there's no reason you can't have a longer episode to like, you know, that's a good point. Have them interact, make it a two minute scene or a three minute scene of like Mm -hmm. that. I mean, I understand maybe it's because, you know, little Yanni is not real and it's a prop and they're trying to, move things along a little bit, I guess, but like, well, I, I have to think like in the editing bay and I apologize. I don't know who the editor of this episode was, but I do, I do have to wonder like, you know, they probably had more footage, but I think it becomes like, you have to look at that sequence of Pedro friend of the show interacting with little Yanni. And I, I suspect at a certain point it becomes like diminishing returns where it's like, at what point, how long can we show a man crying at a puppet and it's i mean you and i both very moved by that scene but i'm sure at some point you know if they keep it going too long and maybe you're like okay calm down it's just a puppet so i i wonder if it was perhaps intentionally truncated i mean that's my of, guess that's 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 yeah, that's like my guess for push it the knife in a little more and be like oh so quick but all right yeah we're just going straight in i mean we already dropped luke so let's just get into it though where the hell does Luke get off acting like this? He is being such a dork. It's like, it's like if you, I don't have a little brother, but I imagine it's like I have a little brother and he is a freaking dork 
and I know he's a dork. And then all of a sudden I like see him in school with all of his other dork friends. And he's like the alpha dork. And in front of all the other dorks, he's being an alpha. But I'm like, you're a dork. And I know you're a dork. And the whole time he just shows up and he's like, I'm in charge of the Jedi now. He's got to be trained. I'm not, I don't have the time of day to say hello or introduce myself. I'm just going to take your little bunny away. And the whole time he was doing that, I just had echoes of Han in the prison in Jabba's palace being like, I'm gone for how long? And everybody's got delusions of grandeur. When Han <laughs> says delusions of grandeur, this is what he's talking about. That's funny. This is delusions of grandeur. He looks kind of like he's just a, some regular schmuck. He should just show up and be like, Oh, hello, guys. That was crazy with the Dark Troopers. By the way, my name is Luke. It's nice to meet you. I'm not in any real hurry. What's your name? Hello. You kind of look like Yoda. Here's the whole deal. Here's where I'm taking him. It's so nice of you to take care of him. Here's my cell phone number. Like, text me if Grogu has any allergies. I'll make sure not to, like, feed him that thing. No. He's like, oh, I'm dying. Good guy, Darth Vader. Oh, I'm going to take him away. Goodbye forever. Where does he get off? Yeah, I, I just want to be like, you know, like, when when's, when's Luke going to logically say, hey, if you want to get him anytime between now and 19 years to like go on some like <laughs> some like thing to do that like there's that cell service <laughs> like you know that's what that's what he means of we'll see each other again is I, um, listen um in sometime before 19 years we're going to go on <laughs> another thing and then that's going to explain why Daisy Ridley is hanging out with um, an older Grogu, um, you know, yeah. we, 40 years from we now. We already previously mentioned, we previously mentioned that I logged on Twitter and made a tweet and it went viral and it was the whole internet on fire. No big deal. Um, when I had been browsing our Twitter walls on logged, logged on, I guess, you know, various folks celebrating it's December. So it's the anniversary of, you know, within the past week has been an, the anniversary of all three of the movies within the sequel trilogy. And when I logged on yesterday, I guess it was the anniversary of The Last Jedi releasing. So a lot of people were re-watching it. And somebody had, with the hashtag, like, Last Jedi Rewatch or whatever, said, Oh, just got to Grogu's death scene. Assumably, I'm assuming they're talking about the, the flashback to Kylo um, sacking the temple or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. I got a hearty chuckle out of that. Um... I have been sitting on a tweet to send. I just didn't want to outshine you of oh, um, sure. where are, where are all our, all our Raylos at? This confirms that we're going to see a 10 year old Ben in a uh, live action soon. Um, but. And where are all our Grolos at? <laughs> our Grolos. And our Ragus at? <laughs> where are the Ragus? Where are our Ragus. Let's 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 um spend a little time on Luke. Um, the let's because I do have a lot of thoughts about Luke. Walk me through. Because two weeks ago on this podcast, I made a joke about it being Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker showing up. Yes. Um, yes, you did. Um, walk walk me through your first time watching this episode, how it unfolded for you and how you felt about it. So the first time I watched it, um, it was the morning. I was 
I had a lot of mm-hmm. stuff going on, but I like, you know, budgeted watching this in. And yeah. I actually got dragged away. So I had the pause oh. at I paused at the um um the duel. Um Oh, yeah. okay. Between Mando and um, yeah, um, which to me okay. I just didn't care, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> like, which is also something that I assumed was going to happen. Yeah, you 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 called that um, very very um, early. Um, I, I mean, I you know when you see the X wing, you obviously know it's Luke. Um, th- yeah, we yeah. we hear Luke's theme, I believe. Do we? Um, there's some, Oops. there's some specific music that's going with it. Um, no, it's the mud, it's the mud horn, um, music when, um, little Yanni lifts, um, the mud horn in episode two. That's what it is. Okay. Which is. So sort of like the force innocent type Grogu has power. Theme. Yeah. Um, cause they, uh, yeah, they, yeah. Ludwig did a good job. Oh my show, God. Man. Did he do a good he job? Really I it. mean, and the, the first, the volume two of season two soundtrack is out now. The first, the first song the track is called that a they're playing, that they play when they have that stress of the theme and mm-hmm. Boba chasing, um, that, mm-hmm. that, um, the, um, ship where Pershing is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just insane, but let's, let's stick on Luke for a second. So yeah, I, um, I was, it's not like I thought that something bad was going to happen to the group. I mean, the situations were dire, you know, they did a good job of showing that like Din was only able to take out one droid and like yeah. really he shouldn't have survived, but the droid sucks. Um, but even that, you know, yeah. like he, they, they, let me tell you. Let me tell you, I, uh, upon my rewatch, I watched it concurrently with a friend. We synced it up and we were texting each other throughout. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I wish Pete, what I wouldn't give to love anything as much as dark troopers love punching. (laughs) Oh my God. It's um, it's particularly brutal that like they're programmed to punch human beings in the head so much that they explode. It just so happens and, that it and didn't way, work for them. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I happen to Pete and I are of course very familiar with the movers and shakers and Lucasfilm and Disney Plus and that whole arena. And I happened to come across a communicate that maybe implied to me that the dark troopers and their punching walls and they're being very good at punching was supposed to be a quote unquote parody of the po boys because we are so swollen and we are so strong that we can punch through walls and we often do punch walls for workouts and it's a sort of vertical push-up that we do and it's only because that's the only way we can get the type of pump that we need for our arms and it's no big deal and that Dark Troopers Punching was supposed to be, like, making fun of us from Johnny F. And guess what? It backfired because it was awesome just like we are. And punching walls like that is very cool. It's, well, it's also, and just to do a brief aside because we're going back to Luke, is mm-hmm. the midsection of your fingers, okay? Um, 
the midsection of your fingers. So the ones that are connecting Tell the fingers together. You had you had me at midsection of your is, finger. It's in a typical workout environment. You just can't work it unless you're working the entire hand. Mm-hmm. So the punch into the wall where it's direct contact with you know four parts of your finger, the midsection. It's. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's it, it's it, I mean, maybe we'll go to the lab at some point so we can work out some different workout routines. But it's also just a necessity for us time. to be swole is that's you yeah. know how we do that. And it's I mean, it's kind of messed up that he would it's not body shaming um, because we're really proud of our bodies. But right. And we always will be. Let's get back to Luke. Um Let's. I do. I do. I'm. I'm glad that we're talking about this up front because I do have a lot to say about it. I have a lot of thoughts of. of yeah. About so. It. But yeah, walk me. So walk me through. You see the X-wing. You see. The, you see the X-wing. And you're like, it's a loop. Yeah. Definitely know. I mean, you. You figure it's. I. Because I. To. To me. Any. Any other outcome for this finale would have been. I don't know what's happening. So like in my mind, I was predicting this. So everything was kind of slotting into place. Yeah, some people on Twitter have been like, it should be Ezra or it should be Cal Kestis. And it's like, no. Oh, man. I don't know. Um, I, how would you have? How would I have felt if it was Cal Kestis? If it was if it was the exact same episode, the exact same sequence, but it was Cal Kestis at the end. I don't know. Yeah, I just um, I mean, Star Wars is this thing where they love to introduce a popular character um, after yeah. they've already made their main but, product, and then they spend the next decade weaving them into the main story. Ahsoka last decade, <laughs> Grogu yeah. will be this decade yeah. of how they weave Grogu surviving seven, eight, nine. That's a good point. That's the that's next a, decade of Star Wars is what they're gonna. And because it, it's just, yeah, I we've often I've talked in the past about how the Marvel comics for this that have started since the Disney acquisition of Star Wars are going to be the first thing to go in terms of contradictory canon. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if somebody, if they get a hotshot director or a hotshot screenwriter coming into a star Wars movie and that person has an idea for a story that directly contradicts what is supposed to be sacred canon, but that canon is from a comic book, that comic book is gone. And I think just, just inches above comic book is video games. So I feel like Cal Kestis is on pretty precarious standing. I could be wrong, but I have to think. Yeah, there was no way it was going to be Cal I Kestis. also think that Cal Kestis is... It's such a small niche of people that want it to be Cal Kestis, and it's also like... Yeah. It doesn't... It adds more questions to a thinly veiled explanation of like, all right, why hasn't Luke seen Cal? Why hasn't Luke seen Ahsoka? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's clear. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. sorry, well, it's clear that Luke and Ahsoka have not interacted yet. You think so? Well, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Cause then she would have said, go find Luke right? Skywalker. And also, yeah. um, because at this point, Luke's already trained one Jedi. Cause Leia has already become Leia. a Jedi and then been like kid. And then do we know that, though? Because when is Ben Solo born? Ben is, you know, because you've read that book. I think Ben's born like right. Like she's pregnant, like after Endor or something. I think he's born super early. Hmm. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter that mapped it out that um, Kylo, if the way that the the show is set up is still six years away from 
being sent to work with Luke. So there is a six year gap between Grogu where he's with Luke and then when he um, Ben first starts meeting with Luke and maybe Grogu's there, maybe Grogu's not. And then it's 19 years um, of the um, burning of the Jedi Temple and all that stuff. So, yeah, so Wikipedia has Ben Solo listed as being born at um, five years after the Battle of Yavin, oh, okay. which is episode four. So, so that would be... That would make him... He, so when this episode of Mandalorian occurs, he's like three. Okay, so then it would be like another seven or nine years because I think he's a, I think he's like ten or something when he starts training with... Yeah. When he starts training with Luke. But back to Luke, okay? Um mm-hmm. The music was insane. I think it's the. I think it was Ludwig destroyed. I think it was. I think it was the Mudhorn um, uh, theme. I, because I remember the Mudhorn theme being very much more percussive. Well, they also made changes to it too, right? Like they had, you know, Mm. the theme song at the end of this, like just violins. Um, Because the the main part of this music I'm thinking of is that choral chant of those two notes. Okay. Um, we'll have to, um, fine. I'll watch it a fourth time. Um, that, that's fine. Gotcha. Um, I mean, this is something that all of the last Jedi haters were chomping at the bits for too, of seeing Tell an OG, Are we gonna get into an this? OG Luke, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of where he's at, which is really interesting too, because, yeah. you know, Luke six years ago, in uh, um, Return of the Jedi, like he's not very good. I mean, you know, that's mm. part of just like the storytelling at that time too. Like, it's not like he has a ton of opportunities because he's like fighting a dad yeah. that doesn't want to fight him. Um, right. He only faces off against like his utter equal, so he doesn't really have an opportunity to show off. Yeah, but I mean, clearly he's leaned in more. Um, just some like very, very cool scenes. I mean, I like many, um, saw the rogue one parallel. Um, yes. Yeah. As so, yeah, as, as soon as that sequence started unfolding, we've talked about how in, in episodes past, I tend to yell things. For instance, in the Ahsoka episode, I kept yelling, Oh my God. Oh my God. And during the episode where, Jenga Jumanji kept telling Grogu how special he was. I kept yelling, Peter's crying right now. And during this episode, I kept yelling, it's about to be a, ho- a hallway fight. There's going to be a hallway fight. It's a hallway fight. Yeah, they so they very they very much homaged Rogue One in that. Um, and I, I like that it was an elevator involved as well. I don't, I'm not going to go so far as to call it a Winter Soldier homage because there's obviously a very cool... Uh, elevator fight in a Winter Soldier, and it wasn't an elevator fight, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I also noticed the Rogue One. I saw, yeah, so there was, there was that. I mean, one of the highlights, you know, the bump in energy from Rise of Skywalker is when Ben and Ray are together, and they, you know, Ben's mm-hmm. mowing down Knights of Ren, Ray's, you know... Mm-hmm. Def- one of which is, of course, um, Grogu. Stop. Um, Ray is, you know, <laughs> mowing down, you know, nameless something that we have yet to see what it looks sure, like. Sure, yeah. 
Um, but it's very cool. It's, you know, showing Ray and her training and, you know, she has, uh, a close to mastery, you know, extremely, extremely powerful. Um, and this is, I mean, that's what we're seeing with Luke is, you know, there's the, when they're in the, when he's in the cargo bay and he throws the crate into the droid and saying, mm-hmm. um, and just, it, 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 it's very reminiscent of like Ahsoka and how powerful she was. But I would say, I mean, I, I, this really surprises me. And I, I mean, I'm sure a ton of just nerds all over the world right now are having this conversation of, is she, he right now at the same level as Ahsoka? Um, or is it just, you know, such a small sample size? Like, um, it seems like he's r- rapidly progressing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you think of yeah. um, the the Luke reveal? And Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> As I said, I, I did. Well, I, you know, I feel like I, we're going to wade into murky territory here. I'm of two minds with, with the Luke Skywalker of it all. Because I, you know, I made a joke of two weeks ago about like, oh, he it's going to be Sebastian Stan playing Luke Skywalker. Uh, and I was half right. It was Luke Skywalker. And when he took his hood off. I did genuinely for a second think it was Sebastian Stan, but then slowly over the course of his presence on the episode, the CG of it all, and we've yet, I keep looking on all my regular sources for this kind of thing to figure out what the technology that was utilized is, and they haven't quite gotten to it yet. I'm sure next week we'll find out for sure with the making of, but it, it, it did eventually start to take me out of it in a way, quite frankly, that Leia and Tarkin and Rogue One never totally did. Like it, it, it very much started to pop around the hair in particular. So here's where I come down on it. And I mean, I've watched it twice, even after watching it the first time, hairs on end, goosebumps the entire time, that whole sequence immaculately Mm -hmm. done. I mean, gorgeous, fantastic. I love it. And from a story perspective, Absolutely love it. So, on the one hand, I really wanted it. I feel weird saying it, but I kind of wanted it to be Sebastian Stan, because to my mind, in my in my dreams, there's this world where they decide. You know, we're unfortunately we're never gonna get the Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford sequels to Star Wars that we perhaps long for, or that a subset. One might say deserve. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to put deserve in there, but reality is I don't. Is owed. (laughs) Oh boy. I don't, I don't, I I don't think that we are necessarily a part of the Antifa fandom menace in saying that it would have been cool to see those three actors on screen at one time together. And we never quite got that. And I totally am fine with where force awakens and last and Jedi went. I appreciate those narratively and stuff. And, you know, continuing that vein though, a part of me kind of really hoped 
I guess I had this world concocted in my head where they were like, yes, we have Alden Ehrenreich as Han. We're going to cast Sebastian Stan as Luke. We're going to find someone to play Leia. And we are going to tell stories in this chunk of time that immediately follows Return of the Jedi. Um, And so in my mind, who Luke showed up to be at the end of this episode was sort of choreographing their intentions with the character 100%, 100%. And so, at the same time, Mark Hamill was adamant about his weariness for the direction that Luke went in in Last Jedi. And he has since come out very much in favor of Ryan Johnson, very much in favor of the film. But he's he was very honest about like I'm not this is not the way I would have taken the character and stuff, and so the idea that he is able to reprise the role here in in terms in which the character is is more in line with what we think of Luke Skywalker is 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 very cool and I'm glad he got to do that. However. In it being Mark Hamill who shows up at the end of this episode, to me, that kind of feels like Lucasfilm saying, yeah, you're not going to see much of this guy. Because I just don't see a world in which a recurring cast member of this show or a recurring presence in live action Star Wars in general is so clearly wonky CGI um, and again, again, narratively, I love that it was Luke. I really liked that whole sequence. I liked the episode. Um, but I, you know, I couldn't help but notice that it looked like cut and paste around his hair or, or whatever. And not that I could do any better. I'm not dragging it down at all or whatever, but, um, yeah, so it, it just, it very much made me of two minds I... as far as the character showing up, mm-hmm. I was thrilled, but it. The fact that he has hood up and stuff the whole time, and it just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, know. the hooded, the hoodedness of it really worked for me. Um, it definitely mm-hmm. enhanced the idea that, you know, of this like savior that was coming, and just the desperation that was like in the situation itself. And then the like Bo-Katan identifying that's a Jedi adding to the, you know, gravitas of it. I thought was extremely, Mm -hmm. extremely well done. I, I, I I agree with you. I think if, if I were to guess, and this is going to be really interesting for season three of the Mandalorian, um, of Mm. can the show survive? No Grogu. Um, Oh, no, because that was, yeah, my, yeah, that was exactly what my girlfriend thought was like, oh, what is season three going to be? But I got to think there's no way they're not going to have growth. I don't. So here's, here's, here's my guess. Okay. We have Mm -hmm. Ahsoka and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, spoilers, whatever. Um, yeah, we already said that up front. You're good. Ahsoka, we think is going after Ezra, finding Ezra. That's our guess. Mm hmm. Um, and then new uh, Rangers in the new Republic, um, going to most likely be in the outer rim, I guess, maybe, you know, that's just uh, a shot in the dark. Um, yeah, it makes sense. So it could be a situation where this gets kicked down the can a few years and they can see if the CGI is 
make some leaps and bounds at all. Like if the technology gets there, yeah. Yeah, and then when that's included. Now, here's something I want to talk about, and I think I'm being proven wrong on this, so let's skip all the way ahead to the Book of Boba. Um, with the with the boy, oh boy, yeah. a lot of thoughts right, on that. He, so let's before we get into our thoughts, okay? Really, just one thought, honestly. Um, why? But that's let's 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 move past that for a second. Um, so Book of Boba is the end credits. Um, the funny thing is, oh, post credits, yes, post credits. Um, and spoiler alert: if you're me, at this point, given the amount of cameos in Star Wars, right? I have learned that during the credits, when it gets to the additional cast part, I pause it to read who else was in the cast to catch any cameos right. I may have missed. And when you do it for the finale, you see Bib Fortuna <laughs> in the credits, even though that scene has not happened yet. So I, yeah, that was ruined for me. Quote, quote, unquote, ruined. But yeah, I knew I was like, oh, wait, Matthew Wood is playing Big Fortuna? Um, actually, I thought that, see, I, it wasn't really ruined for me. I was just like, ooh, there's mm. more. So I was more like, oh, this is great. There's more. Um, but let's let's mm. skip. Did, let's, you, did you notice that Big Fortuna says McClendon? No. Um, he do. But he, let's. No. You know what McClunky is? In the in the Disney Plus edit of A New Hope, they once again re-edit the Han and Greedo shootout. So in the most recent Disney Plus version of A New Hope, before Greedo shoots, he says, McClunky. That's funny. Yeah, so Bib Fortuna says McClunky. A lot, of, awesome. a lot of name, like a lot of swear words and random slang thrown in the season... But let's yes. but let's uh, um, let's 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 state mud scuffer scuttle scuttle the scu- the scumbug or something <laughs> that Cara Dune says. Mud-scuffer. No, she doesn't say mud scuffer. She says like. Yeah, she does. She says son of a mud scuffer. When her gun jams, I wrote it down. Oh, no, oh yeah, there's that. But oh, um, she when when they're talking about the plans, she has another thing that she says. Probably dank Farrick, which is apparently the people know, hate everyone Farrick. in the Star Wars people universe hate Farrick. around this time. I'm trying to think of like a similar word that is caught fire oh, in yeet. real life in our yeet, world. Yeet. What? Yeet, yeet. Okay, so let's let's for the life <laughs> of me, I want to. Here's what I want to talk about with the Book of Boba. Okay, please talk and about me. I initially read this as um, mm-hmm. Boba is not a spinoff. It's the third season of The Mandalorian. Yeah. So, and based on what I've read online, a lot of people thought that way. To me, I was like, oh, this is a third. This is another entity. So I. This is like a fourth show or a so, Disney Plus yeah, movie. But yeah, yeah, a lot of people thought like you and thought the third season of Mandalorian was going to be. Yeah, because in my Boba head, Fett. I'm like, okay, here's what it is. Boba Fett's the third season. And then the fourth season is Bo-Katan, which Din's going to be with Bo-Katan. And they're going to take back Mandalore and then show show over. Um, that mm-hmm. was what I had initially thought. And I was very like, man, they really like... That's why I was upset at the Din and little Yanni um, interaction. Because you were like, this is the end of Din. Yeah. Din and. Yeah. 
And to be fair, you could be right still. I mean, we haven't gotten official confirmation. One um, way or apparently, the other. Pedro Pascal has signed on for a third season. Yeah. Right. But like, you know, you never know. But yeah, I, I don't but that's, think that's, that's how that's I, because I was yeah. like, you know, Boba Fett is not announced in the Disney slate of TV shows. Um, the Mandalorian right. makes like story wise. It makes a ton of sense. Right. Of here's another Mandalorian. Um, he says he's not a Mandalorian, but, you know, is he a Mandalorian? And then you, I saw, jumped on the Twitter account when somebody was like, season three of Boba Fett is going to be him yes. freeing the slaves, which it clearly is not. Well, they just said the book of Boba Fett, but they, they point out a, a, a quote he has about him, him and Fennec about fate swooping down to, to save the wretched uh-huh. or whatever. Um. I don't know, and Tr- Trisha Barr from the Fangirls Going yes, Rogue. Yes, Fangirls Going Rogue. Podcast had, had tweeted the idea that the book of Boba Fett was going to be him freeing the saves, slaves of Tatooine. I mean, Pete here clearly doesn't think that could be the case, but to, to my mind, that is not necessarily the most prominent dangling thread, but it does sort of seem like, hey... Yeah, that's something that was never addressed. There's still slaves in this galaxy. Like, Star Wars has yet to to deal with correcting slavery. Like, the prequel trilogy in particular really lays on thick, like, there are slaves in this galaxy, be they the impoverished of Tatooine or the clone army that we bred to be slaves. And... So there's a lot of slave labor, labor well, also, in Star Wars. And there has never been a... Uh, a liberation and you know labor. in real life with um there being a renaming all of all these professional teams boba's clearly going to need to rename slave one if he is gonna preach going to yes. actually you know go on this pr change and do all these um big actions to, to quote billy d to, to quote billy d williams in the robot chicken star wars special oh, that was a nice ship you got there not crazy about the name though <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, I've read some tweets by a Lucasfilm employee, not affiliated any, like an ex Lucasfilm employee. Right. Like yeah. A that was, that was like mapping out well. and be like, no, these are two different things. The release dates are different. Yeah, so, I, mm-hmm. and without, without giving too much away months ago, Giancarlo Esposito, who plays, uh, Moff Gideon had talked about a third and fourth season of the show. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll certainly be curious. Um, I, I don't, I don't yeah, think Grogu's coming mind, back. The question is, I just don't. I think he's going to, I think he's coming back for sure. Um, though I could, I mean, I, you know, could be wrong. I don't think that, um, I don't think that the Mandalorian has the cones to continue without baby Yoda. Uh, but you never know. Um, to, to my mind, the big question is not whether or not Book of Boba Fett, which is the most preposterous name for anything I have ever heard in my life. If you wrote a book about Boba Fett, literally a book, if you wrote a nonfiction book about the fandom phenomenon that is Boba Fett, and you came to me and you said, Josh, I wrote this book. It's called The Book of Boba Fett. I'd be like, that's too on the nose. You got to reel it in. 
So the idea that this is called the Book of Boba Fett is preposterous to me. Uh, but to my mind, it's, it's definitely, I have to assume it's something separate from season three of The Mandalorian. To my mind, it's a question of, is this a miniseries type thing or is it a movie? I like, Is this, is this going to be a show or is it going to be a movie? I guess it would be a miniseries. I would think as well. I think it'll probably follow, like, they, they seem to be intimating to us that the Kenobi thing is not a show so much as a miniseries. And I suspect that, yeah, the Book of Boba Fett will, will probably... Now, do they have... Um, do they they announce that the Book of Boba Fett's coming next year? December 2021. I'm curious, yes. okay, and, and, you know, we're just throwing that stuff out there. Does the... Oh, never mind. That makes zero sense. All right, I take it back. I was going to say, does it, like... No, no, no. It's it was a very bad take of oh, does this lead us into Obi Wan? But that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, maybe he like wakes no, no. But it, but it could tie in still. I mean, it's the same planet, so there is certainly room for some sort of villainy that eludes Obi Wan in that show to tie into the book of yeah, sure. Uh, Maybe one Tusken Raider sees has seen Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and Timothy Oliphant and uh, Din. And that, I have that written down, man. Book of Boba Fett to me sounds like the perfect opportunity for that tall glass of water, Cop Vance, to show back up. Yeah, I think that's where Timothy Oliphant will naturally come back. Um, I do... I also, I wanted to throw in real quick... I really enjoyed the shot of Fennec freeing the slave girl there. Right. Um, just as I had spoken previously in this episode, you know, you talk about like what were the cosplay opportunities for a, star, a female Star Wars fan, you know, 10 years ago. It was like slave Leia or regularly. And here you have this perfect embodiment of the strides that representation in Star Wars has taken showing up and you know, blasting away the previous notions of what a female Star Wars fan could be sort of kind of, or not, not a female Star Wars, but you know, I, I don't know. I'm putting my foot in my mouth here, but I, I really enjoyed that sequence of her freeing the, the slave there. That was very cool. Great episode for Fennec. Oh yeah. I mean, um, being- I'm, I'm thrilled that they finally introduced some real kicking into Star Wars. She does kick. I wish that I wish a stormtrooper like had punched her in the stomach business. so she could do like a hey my stomach is is a robot <laughs> now but and they've shown her robot stomach and it did sort of look like there was some hollow space in there so I am kind of hoping that we'll get a shot where somebody punches her in the stomach and it goes through into the robot parts and then she's able to use her torso like a mouth and like chop 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 Eat somebody's hand. With I her want stomach. her and Luke to be friends, and then she hides Luke's lightsaber in her stomach, and then they go and they save Ezra. I want me and Luke to be friends. Um, but, you know. Yeah, so that's. I think we're on near the same page of the level of excitement about the Book of Boba. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I mean, I know I, I am thrilled, but I think it's just the most preposterous name I've ever heard in my entire life: the Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Let's um, talk about how Bo-Katan was portrayed because it wasn't night. It wasn't in a good light. Yes. Um, And, but it was, I think in a competent light from like a narrative Uh perspective, 
I don't I don't feel like they dropped the ball and mis- misrepresented that character. I feel like they very cleverly utilized that character to show Din Jarek's growth. A flawed character. Because she's she's flipped like when when she first shows up in episode 3 or chapter 3 or Four. chapter 4 12 or whatever the heck it is of this season. Um she kind of walks away making Jenga Jumanji feel like a extremist. And it's very much like, oh, you're a child of a watch. You don't understand. You're insane. You never take off your helmet. That's ridiculous. You're crazy. And then here in this episode, we have the tables turned on her in which she is made to seem like an extremist where it's like, you're going to have to kill or fight or defeat somebody who you have no quarrel with for this weird nebulous narrative that you've reclaimed the dark saber. And, you know, on the one hand you think, Oh, well the Bo-Katan we met a few episodes ago would obviously never buy into that. I mean, look how she shamed Mando for following his weird extremist ideology. She's clearly of sound mind. But she's not. And she's very much like, nope, this is going to be an issue with me and I can't see past this. And it turns out I'm an extremist in my own way as well. And yeah, it kind of is very much in line. Look, killing me that I'm saying this very much in line with what Bill (laughs) Burr pointed out last week. (laughs) Killing me to say that. But it's, yeah, I mean, she's she's drank the Kool-Aid a little bit. It's just a different flavor of Kool-Aid. But so, and I, I have a buddy at work who watches all of these Star Wars shows as well, has watched all of Rebels, has watched all of Clone Wars, and he and I were texting about it. And we were, because, and this is, spoiler for Star Wars, what? Rebels, I guess. Three, two, one. Um, but Bo-Katan did not take the Darksaber initially by defeat. Sabine Wren gave it to her. Um, but I guess perhaps the implication here is that it's not so much how she got it as it is how she reclaimed it. Like if she got it from another Mandalorian or whatever, that's fine. But if somebody took it from her and then in turn she had somebody else take it mm-hmm. back for her. You know, that's another story. It's not like Moth Well, Sabine also in the show, she found it just randomly. Ezra Ezra found found it it. and gave it to her. Yes. Right. So it's, I mean, I I imagine there's some semantics. Or no. um, Of like, say somebody dies that holds the Darksaber. Like, what, do you have to fight a corpse? And then you're like, oop, I got it. Um, But... Yeah, it was it was it's definitely inch, it, if season three is taking back Mandalore, which I think is a, a very good chance of. It seems low. It, it, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, the two of them facing off, it'll be very, very interesting. Um, yeah, but it's just I don't I don't see a world in which they in which they do face off. Because, I mean, you know, he says in the episode, I yield, I don't care. Like, he, Din Jarek couldn't have less interest in that weapon. Or Mandalore. Yeah. 
I mean, he li- I mean, he's literally willing to sacrifice both things to take the child. If Gideon hadn't been a little schmuck and turned and tried to, you know, shoot him in the back, then Jared would have taken the child and left and been like, fine, yep, keep the dark saber, keep well, me, I don't care, I'm out of here. Maybe. Um, because I we also so. remember that, um, you know, in the very first, in the first episode when, no, the episode two, when his speeder gets torn apart and he's like, take the jetpack, take the jetpack. And then he turns on mm-hmm. the person as soon, as soon as it happens. So, um, I would be surprised. Well, you know, this is all like what, what ifs and mm-hmm. stuff. He is literally the most, um, gullible, yeah. like in that, and most global Star Wars character ever. And that beats Jar Jar and droids that literally do whatever you tell them to. He is more gullible than any of those mm-hmm. things, any of those characters. Oh my God. He trusts literally mm-hmm. anybody that says anything. <laughs> it's insane. It, it, it really does seem though. They are setting up season three to involve Mandalore proper. And so I have, I really got to think that. I mean, again, they talk about this Ahsoka show and the Rangers of the New Republic tying in with the Mandalorian in a quote climactic event. I I feel like you've introduced Ahsoka. You're bringing Mandalore into the fold. Sabine Wren has to show up. I have to think. I have to think we're going to get a live action Sabine. And it's just a question of is it Sabine with Ahsoka or is it Sabine in the Mandalorian? Um. Yeah. So. And it also is. I mean, I. I have to say, similar to Katie Sackhoff. I could see a, I could see Tia Sakara playing that character in live action. I mean, I think that would be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. And probably someone will show up as freaking Ezra. I mean, it'll probably be our buddy from the airport. But um, I haven't uh, seen. Um, yeah, what's his name? Taylor. Why do I want to say Taylor Bridge? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Bridger playing Ezra Bridger. Um, <laughs> yep, that's Taylor why. Taylor Gray. Taylor Gray, yep. Um, yeah, so let's see. We've kind of pretty much hit everything. I mean. Yeah, I mean, we there's, I think, some other stuff to touch on. I want to talk about as much as Luke Skywalker showing up was like a pretty big deal. I think that. There was a big, huge, momentous swing in this episode. Like, really just batting for the the furthest back seats you can go. Like, really just clocked it back and swung like nobody's business. Uh-huh. And maybe I'll hit the ball and maybe I won't. And I still have no idea if it landed or not. And that is... Pete, there was dubstep in this episode um was that Ludwig Gorenson scored the dark troopers with straight up dubstep that may or may not have literally contained go 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 (laughs) yeah we're talking full on wub 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 drill noise drill noise he did such a good job dubstep and this is this is a swing the likes of which we haven't seen since Kevin Kiner scored the fifth 
episode of the Clone Wars series with some techno while Anakin and Ahsoka are looking for R2-D2 on the Vulture's Claw. That um, is the deepest of deep cuts, Josh. I truly cannot believe that I pulled that ship's name out of my head. Um, meanwhile, I don't remember my own birthday. But uh, <laughs> what a swing it was. And watching it a second time around and having listened, having listened to volume two of the soundtrack, I'm still... I'm still not convinced it worked. But I guess the fact that I'm not convinced one way or the other is all you need to know in terms of whether or not it worked. Like, if it didn't work, I probably would have been like, Uh oh, that didn't work. But, boy, oh, boy, what a swing. I mean, it, it took me out of it for sure. Like, as I was watching that episode, I was like, that's dubstep. He's doing dubstep. I don't know. What did you think of that? I is this going to be your new treadmill jam? Is this going to replace Jawa no, Chase? No. Um, <laughs> I would I would say the the beginning sequence of the chasing um, would, mm-hmm. is going to supplement it on top of it, and then the um, the fighting yeah. pit scene um, song, which is um, in episode one. Fighting pit. Um, when they're at the. Yeah. Oh, of this um, that one yeah. is also a running song, and it's also a. I need to clean my room. I need to clean my room. Oh my god, my room's so messy. I need to clean my room. Um, <laughs> which I hadn't thought that I needed a song for that, but it's it's there now. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really notice it. I mean, I think it really enhanced the severity of the situation. Really? Um, and I've never really thought of dubstep as like stressing something. I've always thought of it as just like a funny mm-hmm. thing because a mutual friend of ours would, um, a lot of times in college just send a, me. I don't know if he ever sent you this, um, just dubstep of any song uh, ever. And he would be like, here's Zelda dubstep. Mm-hmm. Here's mm. this dubstep. Here's this dubstep. So that's just like <laughs> enshrined in my, like just embedded into my memory. But, um, I, mm-hmm. I can't speak enough. I mean, we're probably going to dedicate an episode to the music. Um, yeah, I mean, he, Ludwig Gorenson is really knocking it out of the park and expanding the horizons of what Star Wars music is in a very impressive and organic way. This is, to my mind, the first time that he's stretched it so far that I've noticed. I'm not saying he stretched it so far it didn't work, but I am saying he stretched it far enough that I I stopped paying attention to the show. Really? Okay. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, what is this music? But, it's, but at the same time, like, I'm... You know, I I really like cinema scores. I mean, my record collection can attest to that. I, I te- I'll, like I'll just listen to a movie score, so I I tend to maybe be paying more attention to that than I should. You know, and so maybe as opposed to trying to look at you know the the cinema as a whole, I am paying more attention to the score than I should be. Um, but it boy oh boy did i did i notice that one thing so here's one thing i i noticed Uh, um and this goes to a trend mm -hmm. of just great empire villains um gideon the one from last Mm -hmm. episode that was mayfeld's um superior officer and then we have this pilot 
um, in the beginning of the episode. Oh and he is yeah. the main villain yeah. in wow. the last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, yeah, the actor. Yeah, oh, I, the I actor. can't recall his name. But, I mean, just the voice, you just want to shoot him in the face, mm-hmm. and then she literally does, and makes yeah. it, makes total sense. Yeah. And it's, because I really, I had a specific note taken down, too. Like, he really plays up, like, I'm outraged that people died on the Death Star. Like, millions of people died on the Death Star. But meanwhile, he's like, it's fine that we destroyed Alderaan, and never mind that we did that first. And it's, it speaks to, I guess, the extremism of being part of the Imperial Remnant. And the, you know, because I think, you know, I guess regardless of where you fall politically or socially these days, I think we're all maybe looking at people that think the opposite of us and just think like, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? How can you think that when everything that I believe is to the contrary? And this was a this was a great example of that because I mean he's like oh it was great destroying Alderaan it was great blowing up a planet full of people meanwhile I'm outraged that you destroyed a military installation that had just committed um, genocide and we get to we get, that was something I was pretty thrilled to I was and thrilled we get to see the reason that she has her tattoo um the tear of Alderaan right, the tear. yeah yeah. Which makes sense because Leia obviously has yeah, the same. Yeah, well, so. um, you know, <laughs> historically they all, you know, all of the people from Alderaan, Leia, and Cardoon all have that tear. Um, you just can't see it yep. because she force hides yep. it. Um, <laughs> yes, she force hides it. It's and speaking of that whole opening sequence, I thought Pershing had an interesting role in this episode <laughs> because it's. Where did his loyalties lie? Because it seems to me, based on what we've seen of him, that he cares for yes. Grogu more than he necessarily cares for the cause he's working for, which I would argue is in line with the canon of Imperial scientists we've seen so far, which is to say mm-hmm. Galen yep. Erso from Rogue One. And it... it it makes you think like, oh, the Empire is just finding these people with bright minds and taking them and forcing them into this sort of labor. And it, you know, Pershing is perhaps very much in the same boat mm-hmm. as Galen or so and, and being forced into using his mind. Now, for in this evil. episode, or is it last episode, they talk about the Imperial Remnant. I think it was the last episode. Uh, last episode with Bill Burr, I think. Which is interesting, yeah. and... Um, and Bill Burr's like, if you want to say uh, something, But it, say it's, it. it's interesting, though, because we think of the Empire as just being gone, then it's the First Order. But we know Thrawn is still out there, mm-hmm. and that is still, you know, the yep. potential for it not going straight to the First Order of, you know, Thrawn being the villain, right. um, maybe in Ahsoka, or maybe Thrawn ends up being a villain in Season 3, of the Mandalorian. Or in the climactic event that they all conclude. I am trying not to think about that. Um, <laughs> with that being said, um, uh, I uh, let's go back to the Luke reveal. Isn't it kind of weird that mm-hmm. Gina, uh, sorry, I keep saying Gina, Kara 
don't you think she would recognize Luke Skywalker at this point? Not necessarily, right? Because I mean, she's a she's a. Oh, sorry, dropped my headphones there. She's a drop trooper. You said not necessarily. Okay. To me, implies like boots on the ground, and Luke, to me, is in terms of the rebellion. As much as he's like a figurehead of the Force or whatever, like you don't just blow up the Death Star in your X-Wing and then become literally anything other than a fighter pilot. Right. So I would think, in the grand scheme of the Rebellion, if you don't really give a crap about the Force and that's all mumbo-jumbo to you, Luke Skywalker's your ace pilot. Cara Dune is a drop trooper. Never the twain shall meet. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I, I mean, I would, it's just like I would be surprised if she hadn't heard of him. Granted, he doesn't say his name, so there's no, you know, need for there to be a connection. It's that's just kind of a a bizarre thing. I mean, like the Luke taking him away, you know, Din is so gullible. So that made 100 percent sense to me. Um, (laughs) And then the two Mandalorians do not. They only care about the Darksaber. And then Fen, like, wants nothing to do with the person just mowed down 40 droids. So all of that makes sense. It was the um, Kara, um, whose mandate as a ranger is just so expansive, too. Like, the fact that she kept her job is just kudos Mm. to her and the job security. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And spe- speaking of job security, keeping your job and New Republic and all that, this episode was directed by Peyton Reed, who directed Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and the most controversial episode of The Mandalorian, episode two, with the big giant spiders and Grogu eating eggs. Um, it is interesting that he was, he was I, I think he did an extremely good job. I think that the issues that he yeah. had or just issues that, you know, was a choice that I'm sure he agreed with of, you know, going with an animated Mark Hamill. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't fall. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that falls to the yeah. director necessarily, particularly in a television setting. Yeah. So I I mean, but it I got I mean, I made a similar joke with the Robert Rodriguez episode, which is where Boba Fett reclaims his armor. Right. And it's just like, boy, oh boy, what a, it's just like you're being handed a 100 question quiz and 99 questions have already been filled out correctly on this quiz. And you just got to fill out that last bubble on the Scantron. And it really doesn't matter. Like he gets to play like, cause for these directors like Robert Rodriguez and Peyton Reed coming in, I, I'm pretty sure if the timeline I am aware of holds up, when these guys were directing these episodes, I don't even know that season one of The Mandalorian had right. even finished. So you got a guy like Peyton Reed showing up, and it's like, oh, you get to direct the episode where Luke Skywalker shows up. Oh, wait, you didn't know that Boba Fett was back and is in full armor? Yeah, that's just, by the time this episode airs, that's just nonsense. Don't even worry about that. I mean, wow. What a gift. So we had, of the eight episodes, we have two Peyton Reed. We had Rodriguez. We had mm-hmm. two Rick Famiwas or one? Uh, 
so okay, first episode. First episode was yes, John Favreau. Second episode was Peyton Reed. Third episode was Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. Fourth episode was Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Fifth episode was Robert Rodriguez. The sixth. Oh no 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 no! Sorry 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 sorry. Fifth episode was Carl. Right. Yeah, that's, yep, that's what we're forgetting. Back. Yeah. To Navarro. Sixth episode was Robert Rodriguez. Seventh episode was Ruth Famiglia. And then this episode was Peyton Reed. Yeah, so Peyton Reed is the only person who directed two episodes. Whereas last season, we had Dave Filoni and Deborah Chow doing a majority of the work, each of Mm -hmm. them directing two episodes. So, yeah. So Peyton Reed was the, the, I mean, de facto primary directorial presence. The really cool thing about this show, too, is the people that are now getting these episodes, like Dave love getting that work um for him to get that work and mm-hmm. i mean now he's essentially what he is in, in animation he is for these three tv shows um yeah really really cool but like they're getting really talented and decorated directors from films to be on these um episodes so it's yeah it's definitely yeah, super super cool that all of this is happening um and i'm sure that we're going to be seeing a lot of this on the other show in the other shows um yeah so josh do you um i'm actually good on my end um yeah i would say it was cool seeing the mandalorian fighter like the starfighter uh in live action you see it when the slave one right, on the planet yeah. that Bo-Katan is. It's the starship that basically looks like they turned Boba Fett's helmet into a starship. <laughs> um, it really, it really gets to strut its stuff in Rebels. But it was cool to see it in landing position in this show because I, as soon as I saw it, I knew what was going on. Um, Boba Fett, I think, mentions that Mandalore is turned to glass, which is more extrapolation on what Bill Burr mentioned last episode, Mayfield. Uh, with uh, neither Mandalore or Alderaan being around anymore. So him saying it's turned to glass leads us to believe that the planet is not destroyed, but is perhaps uninhabitable. I think it's inevitable that we're going to go to Mandalore mm-hmm. next season. Yeah, agreed. Um, the last two things I have, boy, oh boy, in that fight scene that I knew was going to happen with the Beskar spear and the Darksaber, when he Pete. Yes. Pete. Pete, when he does that thing mm-hmm, where he mm-hmm. kicks the spear so that it goes over his head and whacks the other guy on the head. Wow, 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 wow. That was so cool. Uh, and then lastly, look, I love Force Awakens, but the idea that a TIE fighter is launched by like a weird dog leash and then it has to get off of a dog leash to go into space as opposed to the TIE fighter being launched through the front of a Star Destroyer after being cocked and loaded as if it is a Nerf gun. Come on, baby. Way better way of launching a TIE fighter in this episode. Well, oh, my goodness. That was um, so neat. There's a lot of Battlestar Galactica references um, in this episode. Really? Cause I, okay, because I've watched Battlestar Galactica. Um, I didn't th- pick up on that. That's, being a that's how they shoot out the. That's how they shoot out the ships. It's been a minute. It's through like a shoot. 
Interesting. I haven't watched Battlestar um, in And then, like, the years, droids okay. are, like, basically Cylons. And then Bo-Katan is Starbuck. Um, Dark Troopers do very much come off like Cylons. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Which makes you think if there was a Jedi in Battlestar Galactica, none of those issues would have happened. Because, um, you know, <laughs> the lightsaber just cuts through all of them. Um, yeah, so say we all. So... With that being said, um, we are going to next week. We're going to um, bring back Mudhorn Rakers for. Uh, yeah, only one episode of Mudhorn Rakers. Is one here. episode. Um, and then. And then just back to regular old po' boys, I guess. Regular old po, po boys. Um, and the 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 interesting thing is a lot of times we're like very. Um, struggling for content. But yeah, and that will continue. <laughs> we at least have some solid ideas for maybe like a month. Oh, I mean, look, not to like be like next time on Dragon Ball Z, but like a big thing happened for Poe Boys podcast this week. A big thing happened in the Poe Boys mythos that we haven't talked about. We're holding off on and we will mm-hmm. touch on that probably next week. To quote an email I sent this week, I've never been so angry in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> to quote an email from me, thanks, Dr. Pete. So, um, <sighs> I will see you next week. Um, this is Pager Boys. Um, you can message, you can email us at Poboys, sorry, Poboys Podcast at gmail.com. Our handles are at Poboys Podcast if you want to see Josh. Um, yeah, if you want to like our viral tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, we'll catch you next week.